Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning into the next episode of the Sweaty Palms podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Dillon, and I'm here with Barry Buck, the owner of the famous 40 Log Club here in Athens, Georgia. I've worked here for about a year now, and just am so honored to have her on the podcast because she's been such an integral part of the Athens music scene for 35 years now and owns and runs a really successful venue, and we're just here to talk about that and her life and everything she's accomplished and really just go into all that Barry Buck is. So thank you so much, Barry, for coming on. Sure thing, Zoe. So I'd love to start out the episode just kind of talking about your early life and influences in music and Mm -hmm. then where you grew up and then how you ended up coming to Athens. Like a lot of UGA students, I'm Uh from Atlanta and came here to go to school and had never been to Athens before. I came and moved into the dorm and went to class the next day. Oh, wow. (laughs) What, What dorm were you in? Creswell. People call it Krusty Creswell now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it might have been crusty back then. No air conditioning. Oh, no. Oh, it was hard. What floor were you on? Uh, seventh. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's no. Yeah. <laughs> what was your interest and engagement with music in high school? And did you enjoy playing an instrument or dancing? What was that like for you? Uh, we had a music fans in our house. My mom, we always had records and record players going and radios going and my mom loved opera oh, and nice. jazz and some rock and roll and folk music. So we always had like Bob Dylan records and Beatles records and stuff like that. Stuff that she liked that we ended up liking for the family. And I also, I did ballet. So that was for several years when I was a kid. And that was great being, you know, just in the room with a piano player playing the pieces. It was beautiful. So there's always something going on music-wise. So it, it just kind of carried with you throughout your mm-hmm. whole life. That's just awesome. as a fan. I did play, you know, in school bands and stuff like that. Played flute. Oh, nice. <laughs> cool. So I could sort of read music. Not really. <laughs> I'm like that with guitar. I took a couple classes where I tried to read sheet music and it just never stuck. Yeah. I presented my podcast in class a couple of weeks ago and David Barbie asked me to ask you if you remembered him at your dance recitals because you and his uh, sister used to dance together. Yeah. And I do not remember him. <laughs> but the funny thing is we knew who the Barbie family was because his mother, you know, he's from a music family yeah. too, but his mother was the recording when you'd call for time and weather, uh-huh. when you used to have to call a number to get oh, time and weather, yeah. and she was the voice. Oh, wow. So we would call it. We were kids. and like, I know. I know this lady. Yeah. She's, uh, she's Susan's uh, mom from ballet. So, That's crazy. Yeah. I think he actually brought that up in <laughs> class one time, and everybody was just astounded because it was through the whole United States. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a famous voice right yeah, there. Right? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> she was our Alexa. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So when you started at UGA, what role did music play for you during your college career? And like what you studied, what you planned on doing, and, and how and where you are now? I guess I was always a music fan, and I, I grew up in an interesting time for music uh-huh. because it was like punk rock was starting, yeah. and clubs were popping up. There was a few. There weren't anything like there are now. Uh-huh. There weren't that many. And there was one place in Atlanta that was pretty lax on checking IDs. Oh, okay. They had bands, and so you were like, got, I got into accustomed to seeing live music. It was a, a bar on Roswell Road called Hedgens, and they would have bands on the weekends, I think. And so we would go there because it was where the high school kids could go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got used to being, you know, and it seemed weird to me to go so, to a place that didn't have music. I would say I, the only time I ever wanted to go out was to go dancing or go see a band. 
it's kind of making me think of like how lax Athens is. We do check IDs. We, we do check, <laughs> but you know, because we do let in 18, 19, 20 year olds uh-huh. and we have for years because they're legally adults right. and they should be able to come to shows. Yeah. That's something that I think it was, uh, there was a lawsuit about it many years ago when everyone just said, let's leave this alone because it, it's okay. It's okay. And then I think that really don't, you know this, we don't have that many problems with underage drinking. People will test boundaries, Uh but they don't want to get kicked out because why would you want to get kicked out of the theater or the 40 watt, right? Exactly. Like, it's not like you're just here to drink. You're here to see your favorite band and somebody that you love to listen to. Absolutely. Definitely. Can you tell me about your early career and how you started working in the music industry? Yeah. From the time I was in high school, I was waitressing at like ice cream parlor type Mm -hmm. restaurants and stuff like that. And then when I came here, then I realized I was doing some work study things and little jobs, just little bits and pieces. But then I said, I need to make a little bit more money. And I was doing some waitressing and then the guy that owns O'Malley's, which is a kind of a, a legendary yeah. bar. I have a question for you on that. Actually. I work there. Wow, and he's like, Ken, the owner of O'Malley's, he's, he's like, are you dumb? And I go, no. Can you take directions? Yes. Uh-huh. Can you learn new things? Yes. Well, I'm going to hire you as a bartender. And so they taught me. And it was very challenging and fun, but it was like so busy and crazy. So that's how I learned to move fast and hustle. So <laughs> that's, Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to do it. I heard bartenders have like one of the hardest jobs for sure. And that, you know, that place, we would have maybe 1,500 people on a weekend. Whoa. and. I, you know, you would be like covered in syrupy drink mix. How many bartenders were there when you had that many people in the... in like the ten. Ten? That's yeah. not enough. Yeah, but that's <laughs> a lot. And I'm trying to think of just watching people at the 40 Watt, like Louie and Peacock on really busy nights and during drive-by truckers. It was just insane to see how like people would just be packed at the bar and it was like that all night mm-hmm. and like you just don't have a yeah. room to breathe or space. But, you know, you think there's always the point of the night where you're like, oh boy, I got two more hours to go. I'm never going to make it. And then you have to get over that hump and then you kind of like ride the high because it's really fun. It's always a challenge when it's that busy and then you realize how fun it is. And I think it's the same for everybody here. It's fun to be busy. Makes things go by faster. Yeah. Yeah. But you hit, you might hit a wall and go, oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Because you have no time to eat or drink or anything. Like you eat when you're off. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. You mm-hmm. definitely, you had to have seen my mom or my dad at that point because they went there all the time. They told me to ask you about it, Molly, so I have a yeah. question about it later. Yeah, I think I, I maybe worked at the door at O'Malley's for a couple of shifts and then they trained me to be a bartender yeah. and that was great. You know, and I could make enough money to, to live and save yeah. and do a little traveling and stuff when I finished school before I kind of figured out what my next steps were. How did you come to own the 40 Watt Club? Yeah, so, well, I was at O'Malley's, and the, the guy that owned the 40 Watt it was on um, Broad Street. I'm trying to remember what it was close to now, you know, where uh, Magnolia is. It's yeah. on that block. So now the university owns the property. I think it's the architecture office. But anyway, he came to O'Malley's because he was putting up posters, and he stopped for a beer. And he's like, hey, are you a good bartender? And I go, yeah. And he'd see, seen me at the 40 Watt because so I would go there when I wasn't at work mm-hmm. and at go to shows. And I said, I'm, yeah, I'm great. And he goes like, well, I just fired somebody. You want a job? Oh. So then I had two bartending jobs and that was pretty fun. I would work the football games on Saturday till seven, all the games were at noon. 
So I'd work from 10 to 7 at O'Malley's and then hop on my bike and go to the 40 watt for the uh-huh. show afterwards. So. Nice. That's, that sounds like a <laughs> That's a double. <laughs> I'd be on your feet that long. Woo. So my parents went to UJ in the 80s. In addition to 40 watt, they mentioned to me some other venues like the Rockfish. Mm-hmm. My dad brought that one up specifically, O'Malley's. And then my sister was in college from 2008 to 2011. And she talked about Tasty World, mm-hmm. which is now Magnolia's. Yeah. But from what you've seen, what are the most common reasons and causes that you think venues end up closing? Is it overhead costs or or something else? Well, I think for O'Malley's, the property was so valuable. And I don't know if you know where that was. It was on the river. It was an an old mill. And it was a beautiful setting in a historic building. And it was super cool. But it was such a large piece of property. And it's literally next door to the university. So I think the owner got an offer he couldn't uh, refuse. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so that, and then he wanted to do something different. And that tends to be what happens. Okay. Is, I have a theory, I think people can do about 10 years, mm-hmm. and then they're like, okay, time for something else. Or you stick it out, and then you're a lifer like me. Yeah. As I was explaining, <laughs> you're different. Yeah, so, um, and I, I was friends with the owner, Murphy, from Tasty World, and he was about that point. But he had a, a young daughter. And he was like, yeah, the late nights are not doing it for me anymore. And he was ready to do something else. And I find that, and that was the same with my friends when that owned Caledonia, uh-huh. Kaya. And she did 10 years, and now she works for a lawyer in town oh, okay. and loves it. Nice. So I think it's just a timeline of just kind of growing out of it or moving into something different. And I resisted any impulse to doing something different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yes. just, and have, have stayed. It makes you think of when Valina says it's in her blood. Yeah. It's clearly in yours, too. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, when when people say, like, when are you going to retire? And I go, and do what? Uh-huh. The thought of it scares me because it's such a, you know, it's just, it's all-encompassing. I'm not going to say it consumes my life, but mm-hmm. it is all-encompassing in that it's, you know, whatever I do, it's always somehow the 40-watt comes into play as far as, like, a schedule or thoughts of, like, what needs more attention, my house or this place, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> it's in the hierarchy, you know, and it's just it's just integral to everything. It's definitely, it sounds like a passion, and I feel like passions, people never really give up. They just continue to thrive in and, yeah. and grow. And I think, yeah, you do that so well, and this place is so <laughs> well-known because of you and how you run it. And, yeah, I, I'm just honored to work here. Um, I don't know if I told you that, but I wanted you to know that. You have, and I, but I said – to you that I always love seeing your name on the schedule. It yeah. makes me happy. Yeah, you did. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to transition to just the 40 watt in general, your career and lessons mm-hmm. that you've learned running this venue for 35 years. Yeah. What's something you never expected but learned from owning and running a successful music venue? Something I never expected um, that it wouldn't get old or dull. And I think main reason is there's, Every day is different. You know that's true. That Definitely. we can run the gamut of styles of music and types of clientele and even who's going to work that night. Because, you know, some people will do a little self-sorting, yeah. right? It's yeah. just like, yeah, I don't really like the country music or I don't really like hip-hop. And yeah. then they'll just not be up for it. Right. So it's just a going with the flow every week. And so that's kind of amazing to me that... You know, when I look at the calendar, I can still get excited about shows coming up and kind of always looking forward to something. 
is probably one of the best parts about it because you know it'll be during maybe during a show and I will think before I leave don't forget to do blah 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 before to get ready for tomorrow so you're always preparing for the next band to come in or the next shows to happen mm -hmm. so you try to stay in the moment but you're always also kind of looking ahead right. to what's around the corner and trying to keep up with like who do we need to invite to play? Who do we need to call? Who's up and coming? So you're always looking. So the 40 Watt only opens when there's live shows. Was it always like this or was there an evolution? Why not open as a bar even without shows? Yeah. When I had the little 40 Watt for three years down below us where the Caledonia is, it had been the 40 Watt there before. That's why we, we found that place again. I was like, huh. We were open six days. Okay. And, but at that time, there were not very many live music venues mm -hmm. and there were no bars. There was like two bars downtown, if oh, you can wow. believe it. No, yeah, especially because now. One was called the Georgia Bar and then maybe a couple other places and maybe a couple of restaurants, pizza places and stuff like that that served beer. So people would come to the show and local shows were so cheap, you know, four or five dollars. Mm -hmm. And people would come out just to go out. Don't forget, you know, no one had cable. There was no internet. There was no cell phones. If you wanted to find out what was going on, you'd miss out if you didn't go out. Yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> so every night we were sort of a bar too. Okay. And I always wondered when we moved here, when we had fewer, maybe not as many shows, because we were so small there, you could have 25 people and be worthwhile to open because, you know, why not? But here where you're being a little bit more selective, a bigger room and more costs and more personnel needed and all that stuff. And that so we tried it and then it's not the same. People did not respond to us being a bar. Oh, okay. And it was like almost almost like a weird compliment in a way, because they were like, No, this is special. This is where we see shows. This is not where we hang out and drink shots. We have some nights where everybody's just, the vibe is so happening and everyone wants to linger and, and hang out after a show. I always think that's fun if it's not too late and, you know, people are enjoying themselves. They go, don't turn on the lights. Don't, <laughs> don't shoo them away because everyone's still enjoying the rest of the night. And sometimes it takes a long time to get through the merchandise line. Right, and yeah. It takes a second to check out and all that other stuff. So in that sense, we feel like we kind of are a fun hangout. But as far as just being a bar bar... I'm just like, oh boy, I, I just don't really, I don't see that for us. Yeah, and you've done that already. Yeah, it did an experiment. It was an experiment, and, and people just didn't respond in that way because they're like, no, I don't, we just want to come here when there's a fan we want to see. Of course, I'm contradicting myself when I said people would come to shows, but there was a reason to go out. So you could say, like, and here's one thing too I wanted to mention to you. The reason that I got really interested in, live music in particular and going out mm -hmm. to see shows is it's a safe thing for a woman to do by herself. There's only a few things at night, sushi bars <laughs> and concerts. Uh -huh. well, I don't know if you, if you ever traveled by yourself, but if I'm by myself mm -hmm. in, a, in a town, I don't know. I'll just go to a sushi bar and sit at the counter and the sushi chef takes care of you and looks uh -huh. after you. I've never tried that. Yeah. To do that. So there's a hint, but also if you want to go out and you don't have any friends with you, you don't have a date, whatever, 
you can always go by yourself and feel safe because there's a reason that you're there. You're going to see a show. Right. So people don't need to bother you. I never thought about <laughs> that. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever gone to a concert by myself, so I'm going to try that. And I'm also going to try the sushi bar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Yeah. So having worked here for almost a year, I've heard countless times patrons leaving the news and praising the 40 watt. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember from the sold out circle jerk show this past year, a guy leaving the venue and saying to his friend, this is the best music venue in Athens. The 40 watt just gets it, you know? And it made me smile because I understood what he meant. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what do you think makes a good music video and makes it successful and a place where people want to keep coming back to see shows? Right. Well, certainly you have to have good shows and you want to have good sound. Mm-hmm. Those are priorities. And then I think for me, one of the things is there was kind of a cliche thought of rock clubs and people that own them and mm-hmm. kind of being like, not paying the band and being kind of sleazy and stuff like that. So that was always kind of a a focus to kind of turn that upside down and just throw that model out the window and just be very straightforward, very open with everything, be as clean as we can be. You know, we've got, you know, old weird furniture and stuff like that, but we're clean. You know that. And just to be, yeah, the least gross place. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the CBGBs was super cool and all mm-hmm. that, but it's just like, yeah, I'm not going in that bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's places that are historic and they just don't keep improving. And mm-hmm. I always think that we always try to keep improving and there's always something to be done or something to try or something to change. And I think that keeps everything fresh and keeps you just from, you know, just going on autopilot. Yeah. We want the band to, especially if they've never been here when they walk in just to go like just a sigh of relief almost because they go oh this will be fine because you know it's so easy to load in and out and the ideas that that i wanted to do when we moved in here was to have a no obstructions whatsoever for sight lines Mm -hmm. and the three-sided stage was what i wanted and then of course having a proper backstage is great and bands enjoy we're sitting in the green room now We, we are yeah yeah i think that's it is is really is just do you feel comfortable and can you see and hear Right. You know? And then also, hopefully there's no jerks working here. So everyone, you know, there's not any yelling or harshness or the tenor that that maybe some places that have like these really stressed out security people that are (laughs) a little hard to work here. I think that everyone here is a music fan or a musician or both. So that's helpful because everybody's on the same. They understand what it is to maybe to perform or to be on stage or to understand the particular stresses and challenges it can be. And so they can kind of respond to the bands. And But they also want everyone to have a good time because they want people to come back and they understand how important it is to treat the patrons like guests. I always feel like you're throwing a party every night and you're inviting guests in. And so you want to make them feel welcome from the second they get here. What are some of the biggest challenges that you faced running the 40 watt? And then what are some of the biggest victories? Well, certainly being closed for COVID that right. was daunting, you know, and I, I didn't want to close down forever. And I knew that. And that was kind of, that made me feel good that I had the, I didn't want to go out on that note. I didn't want to just fade out. And so that made that year and a half less stressful Mm -hmm. 
but you know, honestly, it is it is a hard business to do, and it's competitive, mm-hmm. and there's always something. You know, we have a lot of moving parts we have to maintain. Mm-hmm. I think we have a great bar and full service and everything that you can imagine. You know, everybody's happy, but it's one thing to keep all that inventory on hand mm-hmm. and to keep the bar running smoothly. And the same thing with you know keeping the sound equipment and the PA sounding good in the room. So that's always, that's constant. So it's not anything that I'm like panicking about or freaking out about all the time, but there have been some points where you go, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to pay for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you just figure it out, pull out the credit card or something. So we've had a few episodes of things going haywire, but then you feel like, well, that's just kind of the cost of doing business. Yeah. And also, if you do something long enough, you're going to have all these experiences. There's something you can say, well, got through that one. Can do it again. That's right. Or you or you can go, well, I did that. If I can go through that, then this isn't going to be as hard moving forward. So it's just one of those things about doing it for so long that you don't panic when something goes wrong. Because things will go wrong. And we're friends with all the other clubs in town in the theater. But, you know, there's a a sense of a little bit of pride and rivalry, too, because, you know, some things I go, that should be here. And I'll be a little jealous. And I go, that's a good feeling because that means I care. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and so that happens occasionally. But there's never been anything that's really crushing or heartbreaking. I mean, sometimes it'll be sad when a show's not that well attended for a deserving band. And that's a hard one. But, you know, it's there's so many factors, too. It's not just, is the band, the timing right? But, you know, we are in a weird little bubble because of university, and we're kind of, like, have to follow their schedule. So, like, right now, it's great driving around town, but it's quiet. Yeah, it's Because <laughs> school's crazy. out. Yeah. So there's that. And then it could be... Oh, the Braves are in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Well, everyone's going to watch the baseball game. No one's coming to the show. Or should we hold doors for a minute? Or there's a tornado watch. Or there's a big football game that's going to kind of blow everything up. Or there's a street closure because of the so-and-so fair down the street. Or, you know, we're a small town, so all these little shifts can kind of play havoc with stuff. So that's always a challenge here. But then, you know, and I'll think that, oh, I wish that show was on a weekend and we'll have a a great night in the middle of the week. Mm -hmm. And so you're always surprised and go, people still want to go out, even though, you know, it's, it's not ideal sometimes. Even students, they can't, you know, can't go out every night. So sometimes that is uh, like, I wish this was on a Friday instead of on a Monday or Tuesday, Uh because we would have had a better turnout. That's a nagging little problem. But, you know, bands have to play every night when you're on tour. It can't be Friday and Saturday. That's true. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take five days off. Yeah. Do you think because this is a college town, it ever affects the prices of concerts that we have here or shows that we have here? Yeah, I think that, you know, we do get quite a few people from Atlanta and South Carolina that come to shows when they see that maybe they have a choice of different cities to go to uh-huh. and they're going to have to drive one way or the other and they come here. And that, I know, is a factor. They were a little cheaper. And I think we're trying to hit that sweet spot where we're profitable, but we're not gouging people. I mean, I think that I have no idea how much a beer would cost at a big 
production in Atlanta at, at the bins or the State Farm Arena or anything like that. But I can only imagine it's like, oh, oh. yeah. So you want to have ticket prices that the band can be paid fairly mm-hmm. or meet the guarantee if there is one. But you also want not to have those tickets so high that people can only do like one thing a month because you want people to be able to go out a lot. How to find that spot with prices for the bar as well. Do you believe that you faced any additional challenges as a woman owning and running a music venue? You know, it's still, even now, still mm-hmm. this business is so lopsided in, uh-huh. in everything, in, in booking and management and sound engineer and recording. Mm-hmm. Everything is kind of, you know, male-dominated. So there's that, but I'm used to that. And what's funny, we were talking about answering the phone and people don't know where we are. And they'll say like, oh, I'm friends with the owner. Is he there? Because uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. clearly they don't know me mm-hmm. and they just see my name and they think that I'm a man. Or, you know, people will come in and go straight to one of the guys uh-huh. and walk past me. And they go, I don't know. Go ask her. She knows. She's yeah. the boss. Yeah. So you kind of have to smile. I think actually, Zoe, it's, I treat it as an asset that there are a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And so to meet the challenge, the kind of like maybe there is more scrutiny, then maybe you do want to do a little bit better job. So there is no like, what does she know? She's just a girl. That's bold. But that isn't something I think about really very much. Mm-hmm. I wonder if kind of the boys club atmosphere within some institutions is kind of shut me out a little bit and it probably has Mm -hmm. but I think there's probably a lot of industries where there's more men in it and so they're going to just gravitate toward taking care of each other a little bit more Uh but I don't think that's true with a lot of different industries so it's just one of those things you just have to keep in the back of your mind and not let it torment you or dominate your thoughts or make you feel resentful or self-critical and then also there are still a lot of men that are champions of having more women. And like now we have more female sound engineers than we've ever had. And that's exciting. And yeah. And sometimes I'll look at a photograph of a band I don't know and I go, oh, cool. They have a girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know when you hear a song for the first time, you know, right. on the radio or whatever. And I go, oh, that's interesting. So and other people feel that, that way too, including men. And most of the men here, are, are, I'd say, I'd say quite a few of them are feminists, uh-huh. and that they like strong women, and mm-hmm. they like the fact that women are getting involved more and more in, in this industry. So that's good. I think it just brings a, another perspective that mm-hmm. if it was just all one gender, one type of person, it would be lacking, and then they wouldn't get to see the diversity that it brings. So. Yes. But knowing what you know now, running the 40 watt for 35 years in five months, because I looked at your LinkedIn and I saw oh. the month amount too, yeah. If you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? When I was younger, I was a little too obsessive in ways like I had to be here all the time. And that's not good. (laughs) So I would have said like, no, you probably need to have a night off or a little more traveling or more time with your significant other or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And that would be, that would be one thing I would say for sure. Yeah. Is to work hard, but also have time for yourself. 
these are transitioning to the fun questions. Okay. Unless, in case you wanted to add anything else to... I think you're, they're very insightful. I like these questions. Okay, I'm yeah. glad, yeah. I try to ask you questions where I want to know personally because I feel like we haven't really sat down and just talked. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that I wanted to learn from you firsthand. And so that's where a lot of these came yeah. from. So you were a bartender at 40 Watt. And then how did that transition to you becoming the owner? So <laughs> the this is at when the 40 Watt was on Broad Street. Mm-hmm. And... I was kind of the main bartender by this point. And there was a manager, Jared Bailey, he's uh-huh. here in town, and he was managing the club. And the owner of the club was always having some sort of issue or financial problem or, well, we won't need to go all into it. But what happened was I guess he got too many debts and he just flew the coop. He literally left town. Oh, wow. And so Jared and I, we looked at the calendar to see what was coming up. And we said, well, it was the early in the month. And we said, well, the rent's not due for three weeks uh-huh. and the bills won't come due. We don't know when he's coming back. We're not quite sure what's going on. Yeah. So let's just keep going as long as we can. So we kind of, it's almost like the kids were running it. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> when the parents were out of town. Yeah. It was crazy, and uh-huh. uh, and that was an interesting experience because I went, oh, wow. Well, if he's not coming back, someone is going to open another club, and I don't know if they'll do it as well as we've been doing it here because that was a crash course, right? And it was not many people even used credit cards mm-hmm. then, so it was a cash business. So we would just like take all the money that was made at the bar and buy beer and stuff with it. And just try to keep going as long as we could. And so that was a very interesting experience because you were totally immersed. And then, you know, you come to the realization like, oh, I can do it. Yeah. (laughs) I would have never thought of that. I would have never thought of that if I hadn't been almost placed in this weird position. So that was a kind of scary, but also exhilarating and, you know, and opened my mind to the possibility of wanting to do it. And I was pretty gung-ho about doing it. And we had an attorney in town, and he did some research, and he said, the name is not trademarked. Oh. Do you want to be the 40 Watt? So we didn't have to buy it. It was closed. It was defunct. So there was only a short period of time. That was in, in March. And then by the summer, we had found the location it had been in before. A business was using it for storage. And we said, we'll find you a better storage space and move all your stuff. And the owner said, okay. <laughs> and the rent was cheap. And then we had friends that loaned us a PA and helped us get some equipment going. And we started doing shows right away. And everyone was very excited that we kind of did put it together. So that was good. So it started off not how you'd expect, but it was just right for us. Yeah, That's really cool. I <laughs> yeah. had no idea that was the story. So people are, when did you buy the business? And I go, we revived it. Yeah. We revived it. And then, of course, we did trademark the 40 Watt name. And the person that designed the logo gave us his blessing to use the logo. So we were very fortunate. It's mm-hmm. a very unique story. Yeah. To transition into, like, the fun questions. Okay. All of them, I think, have been fun. But I, I guess, I don't remember why I titled it that. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> have you had the opportunity to visit other music towns like Nashville Austin, Texas, et cetera. And if so, what do you think sets Athens apart, if anything? Yeah, I have. Of course, I've been to Austin. 
South by Southwest several times. I actually want to go to Austin when it's not South by Southwest. I'm interested to see the town too. And everyone loves Austin. That's super fun. And then uh, Nashville, they've got a good rock and roll thing going. I think when people, probably in the early 2000s, a lot of people in town were wanted to stretch their legs and move for a while just to try something else. And a lot of people moved to New York. And then when that got just too expensive, then people started going to Nashville. So there's a cool scene there, right? I love going out in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles is weird, but it's cool to go out there too. You know, it's just... It's just a, a early town. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, it's just far away. Yeah, I, I think probably for Athens, the question used to be, how did this little town become a music town? And, well, it's easy to live here. Uh-huh. I think rent is crazy now, but for many years, it was a very affordable place to live and a good place to start very non-judgmental, non, I guess, normal competitiveness but i think the bands help each other quite a lot i don't know if that's the case everywhere so that's always been kind of in part about this town and then of course the constant influx of new people and that's super important Mm -hmm. just being here and then you know athens is a weird little spot and sometimes when we have a, a run of really great shows i have to remind myself i go this is fantastic because we're not on the way anywhere. Mm-hmm. Bands choose to come here. Bands choose to, to make a little detour to come to Athens. We're not on the way. I mean, you can make it, you could string together the cities, but we're really off the path, right? Definitely. So kind of that almost mythology about making you know the trip over to Athens to play instead of just going you know from Asheville to Atlanta or Nashville to, or just skipping. Mm-hmm. So... That adds to the, a little mystique, maybe. Definitely. And I think that's cool. And then, you know, just all the, the level of bands and the types of bands that have become so successful that are from here. It's such a wide variety of people. So that's cool, too. You know, everybody can be intrigued. There's definitely, like, a magic to this town. And yeah. I feel bad for the people who have not been here. But yeah. they'll come soon, I'm sure. <laughs> <I hope. laughs> Having seen many talented artists throughout the years, are you able now to recognize if... A new artist has what it takes to make a career in music. In addition to a lot of dedication to their art, how much do you believe luck plays a role and if an artist will make a breakthrough? You know what? I am probably, I would not say that I am good at that. Oh, really? Yeah. I I, I love to be surprised Uh by bands. And like, you know, I mentioned when sometimes I'll think a a band is deserving and Mm -hmm. maybe there isn't a crowd that they deserve. I often think along those terms, but seeing like, that guy's a star, you yeah, know, yeah. she's going to make it. Uh-huh. You know, we know when somebody's on the upper trajectory, but I don't really have that skill. I'm not really that good at it. I hate to admit that. <laughs> but uh, that being said, you know, certainly to me, this is something too I think is important for people to realize. To get on the stage, and there's certain stepping stones that most people follow, and once they get to that point, that already makes them sort of a success in my estimation because that is not easy to write songs, travel, put a band together, keep a band together or whatever the project is, right? Mm-hmm. So just making it to the stage and having a coherent set of songs that you wrote yourself, that's amazing to me. That's just like a magic trick that only some people can do. And I'm just always kind of just amazed. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful yeah. way to put it, because I guess you don't think about how much effort it takes to 
get all of that together sure. and, and be there. I, I don't have anything to add to that because <laughs> you just said it perfectly. <laughs> because of the role of social media, the possibility to self-promote now, do you think it has become harder or easier for your artists to get noticed and, and win a following? I think it's easier. Yeah, I think that there's, especially in certain genres of music, I think self-produced, you know, stuff like, you know, how many times are we going to hear Billie Eilish? She made it in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the rise can go quickly. And it, same with the country stars. There's so many in Georgia, I can't keep up with their names because they pop up with hip-hop people too. So, and I think that social media, being able to self-produce and do things and see your this is exactly what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, I probably would have So, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. We'd just be sitting and talking and this the whole setup wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good too, but as far as like getting your music listened to or heard, I mean, I think that that's instrumental. I am not a social media person, mm-hmm. but I think it's crucial for this business at this point. I don't like Facebook, uh-huh. but we have a Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, it's just one of those things. Uh-huh. But as far as like for young people to be able to get something heard, I think it is important. When was the last time we got a CD in the mail? Never. I can't, I really can't even think of a time. <laughs> you know, we were closed for quite a long time, but I'm, I really can't remember. Oh, we really? used to have like stacks. Oh, wow. Of stuff that, you know, we would have to listen to. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. It's fun sometimes to go through demos and stuff like that. But now it's just like, I'm going to email you my new song. Yeah. So it's just totally different. Do you remember like the phase out period when that started to transition? There's actually some people will have a CD that they're going to sell. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a demo aspect of like people trying to get booked, I, that's been years and years now. Oh, wow. It went from cassettes to mm-hmm. CDs to hear me online. Yeah, I find it really interesting that you got to live through all of those mm-hmm. transitions. You know, another full circle thing is now this has nothing to do with booking a, a show. We're hearing a band for the first time, but bands that want to do their new record on records, on vinyl. So what's your favorite medium or way to listen to music? It depends. Okay. Yeah, I actually still listen to the radio. I love the radio. Yeah. I like the surprise. Mm-hmm. And you don't know, don't know what's coming up next. I've always enjoyed that. And now that I can Shazam everything, I don't have to wait yeah. for the DJ to tell you what it is. So that's fun. And then probably at home, I, I just have got headphones and just, you know, have music on my phone mm-hmm. and just do my chores. Sometimes I'll blare it if I need, you know, get ready to come to a show and I want to get hyped up for the night. Yeah. <laughs> just turn on the stereo really loud. So, like everybody, I guess. Do you have, like, a favorite show or act that's performed at the 40 Watt? Yeah. I heard Ooh. this is a loaded question, a hard it's, one. It's a really, it's a terrible question, Zoe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I, I likened it to um, someone, like, if if someone has children, they go, well, what's your, what's your favorite yeah. kid? Yeah. But, you know, one thing, we've had so many different types of artists, and we've done a lot of fun, like, surprise shows and underplays and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And one thing, I mean, people might have said, don't meet your idols, they'll let you down, or you kind of hear that cliche, right? Yeah. You don't want to meet the people that you idolize or really like, because what if they're complete ass? Yeah. And then you're like, ugh, I wish I hadn't met it. Yeah. But for us, all the bigger bands and the legends and all that kind of stuff, I've loved it. Mm-hmm. They've all been 
awesome. I don't think anyone has been a jerk. Oh, wow. I mean, Patty Smith, Snoop Dogg, mm -hmm. Cheap Trick. It's great. Uh -huh. He hung out. So that's it. going back to what we were just talking about. People do choose to come here. And we've had a couple of big country stars that come through. Dierks Bentley twice and Kenny Chesney twice. And wow. I go, and I go, what's the deal? And they go, we love it here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they'll play for $10 uh -huh. and give the money to a local charity. They just want to kind of get back to, to the roots and that kind of thing. But uh, as far as like, you know, the bigger bands coming through, I have never been disappointed. And that's, that's saying a lot because that's through the years for a long period of time. And everyone has been, been great. So that was an unexpected little thing. You know, you're going to say yes to some of these underplays no matter what, but then when they turn out to be so fun mm -hmm. and you actually get to meet like I sat back here hanging out with Iggy Pop and his wife. What? I go like, what? Yeah, literally. <laughs> Just, you know, any everyone who comes here knows pretty much what the 40 watt is. They don't walk in and go, what is this dive? Uh -huh. What are we doing here? So that's always been a, a real treat and really fun to have those kinds of shows pop up every once in a while. Yeah. I think part of it, too, is the atmosphere here is just inviting and such a great place to be. I think it's hard if quote somebody is like known to be difficult or whatever i feel like if you come in here there's just something that would switch in you to not be that way yeah yeah and then you know people when they're touring this will happen a lot too the band will get here and if you expect to have a 30 minute chit chat mm -hmm. with a touring band when they're rolling in you're not everyone's they might be running late probably tired probably a little stressed out we're all working so you go, hey, everybody. And so if someone's curt, mm -hmm. short-tempered or whatever, in that period, at the beginning of the day, you just kind of go, okay, just lay, lay on the kindness extra thick mm -hmm. because it will come back around. And they will have a show and it will turn out, we loved it, yay, thank you so much. So you have to realize that there's a pace that's a little bit hard for some people. They're like, whoa. And I go, yeah, you put the hustle on when bands get here and help everyone get set up quickly. And then when everyone's more relaxed and then the show's going well, then they'll feel it and they know. And so they can perform well and then they'll enjoy themselves and enjoy the experience. And then by the end of the night, everyone's best friends. <laughs> <laughs> if you could give any piece of advice to anyone who wants to do what you're doing now, what would it be? I think probably trying as many hats on as you can mm -hmm. meaning say if you wanted to work do you want to work live music or do you want to be with a touring band or what try some you know starting job and do as many little things as you can mm -hmm. and you kind of see which one sticks because you know there's certain aspects of this business that not everyone would want to do mm -hmm. and so you I think trying a lot of different hats on is probably a good idea and to see, because there's thinking that you know what you want to do, and then you get into it, and you go, now I know what I don't want to do. That's a valid thing to realize, mm -hmm. is figuring out what is not your forte as much as what is. So I'd say trying on a lot of different roles, and um, maybe not the most well-paying jobs, but experience-wise can be very beneficial. And then, you know, that's how everyone gets jobs in this business anyway, is just being present Mm -hmm. and doing a good job, and then you can move along and move up. Or move to another city or get a real job in the business, right? So I think trying as many things as you can is great. 
Yeah. I think that's really great advice. So I have to ask this question because you've had so much experience and done so many things and worn so many hats mm-hmm. and been so successful. And I, I don't know where I, how I'm transitioning into this question specifically, but do you have any crazy stories you'd like to share or moments or does anything come to mind where you're like, I wasn't expecting that or I don't know. Like, just what's the craziest thing that's ever happened? Well, I think the, that, you know, that origin story was, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't really beat insane. that one, right? Yeah. So just starting from there. But, you know, it can be fun things here. It can mm-hmm. be sad things. We've had weddings. We've had funerals. We've had every sort of meeting, party, seminar, everything, political rallies. Mm-hmm. So just the sheer breadth of the stuff that we've been able to do and present here is always kind of crazy. And then it's like we're the meet, a meeting place for the, for the community. And that is something that I really didn't consider that much until my friend said a few years ago, says 40 watts hours, mm-hmm. meaning the community. This is our place. I just looked at him and my jaw dropped and I thought I was going to start crying because I understood exactly what he was saying. So that to me has been like kind of amazing that we have been when people maybe don't know what to do or where to go mm-hmm. and a, a sad time or a crisis or something and then people will come here. But then also in the celebratory time too. So to be a, almost like a community-based place is is very important and that's not anything that I think you start off trying to do it just happened to us and that that makes me very happy it makes me proud i haven't been doing this for the past couple interviews but this is the lightning round section okay this is like a little fun thing and then i have a surprise for you at the end okay i'll give you two options Mm -hmm. and you just have to pick quickly which one you would like between the two you just say whatever the first thing comes to mind so for example like coffee or tea coffee and morning tea the rest of the day live music or like recordings both. Zipper or buttons? Oh, uh, buttons? <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's such a, I throw in random ones to kind of throw you off. Dogs or cats? Uh, I guess kitties. And then the last one I have is beach or mountains? Uh, beach. I should have done more, but those are the ones that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I collected quotes from people that know you, mm-hmm. and I wanted to read them to you. So I'll start with Alina's first. She said... Barry is our very own Cinderella. She works very hard all day, making sure the club is sparkling, and at night she dresses up and looks like a beautiful princess attending her very own ball. (laughs) I love and respect her, and she puts her heart and soul into the club. We have worked together for 31 years. We are a family. Oh, that's Um, lovely. And then I also have one from Jim. I recorded it. So here's Jim's. Barry Buck. Barry Buck is a driving force and has been a driving force in the Athens music scene for uh, over 30, 40 years. She is my mentor, a friend, my employer, and I have the utmost respect. Wow. Yeah, it was a big one. And then I also reached out to Kevin O'Neill and I got a quote from both Kevin and Mike Mills. Oh, um, wow. And I would like to read them to you too. Everybody I asked just said really wonderful things to say about you, and I wouldn't think anything less. From Mike Mills, I've been a fan of Barry and her wonderful club for a long time. She's made the 40 Watt one of my favorite places to play, see, and hear music, and to just hang out. Thank you, Barry. (laughs) And then this is from Kevin. He says, from me. 
I have never seen Barry be anything but cool, kind, and gracious in a business where it would be very easy to not be any of those things. She's a great example of Athens being a special place because of its people. Wow. This is a great surprise. <laughs> you said it was a surprise, and I was like, oh, no. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's Only like- good things. Because <laughs> I just wanted you to know how much, I guess you already do know, but how much we value you and love you and are just happy that the 40 watt is here and that you run it. Are you going to make me cry, Zoe? <laughs> that wasn't the plan, I swear. Yeah. I just wanted you to Thank be. you so much. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for, for being on the podcast. Yeah. And I, it was just, I'm honored that you're here. And I think it was just such a really cool experience and to learn more about you. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Yay. Okay, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Zoe. And if you're in Athens or you want to come visit, we've got several really cool shows coming up this week or this coming week. We've got a show this Saturday, June 11th. And next Tuesday, June 24th, we've got a comedy show, Fred Armisen's comedy show. It's called Fred Armisen's Comedy for Musicians, but everyone is welcome. We've got another show Thursday night, June 16th, and then another comedy show Friday, June 17th. You can get tickets online at 40watt.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode where I interview the Josh Bennett Band. They're currently on tour right now and have a lot of really cool things coming up. They also just released their debut self-titled album. So stay tuned for next week.